Hello and welcome in. Thanks for taking time on your Wednesday to join us for another edition of the Freire and Smith podcast. If you missed last week's episode where Caden and I gave out our top 10 newcomers in the Sun Belt, we'd highly suggest that you go back and take a look at that. Give it a listen and get yourself acquainted with the league's many new faces heading into the 2023 season. Today, though, on episode 74 of the show, we're excited to provide you with an in-depth look at the Sunbelt West Division teams as they continue their spring practices. We'll take you inside some of the roster battles and even highlight some guys that are having strong performances early on in spring camp. Caden, last season, all the collective eyes of the conference were on the Sunbelt East Division, but this year it kind of feels like people are paying closer attention to the West due to the emergence of South Alabama Troy and also the successful season that Southern Miss had during that 2023 season. Yeah, it's interesting because we came into the season kind of talking about the beasts of the East and then the wild, wild West is kind of what we called the West just because we weren't really sure who was going to come out of that side. And I think throughout the season last year, we learned that there's some forces to be reckoned with on the West. And obviously Troy proved that by stamping it with the Sunbelt Championship win last year. So I think right now, Sunbelt Championship does run through the West. So I think looking at this offseason that all these West teams kind of have now, I think it's it's safe to say that you can kind of start p- picking apart and looking at putting some pieces together and trying to kind of figure out as best as you can who's going to come out of the West maybe this year. But it's it's so tough with so much talent on that side. Hey, and don't get us wrong. There's going to be some really good teams in the Sunbelt East. It just feels like there's a lot of noise about the teams in the West. Caden, This was our first year doing this podcast, and we learned a lot last year in terms of how we should look at teams. And one of the biggest things we learned a lot about was just paying attention to who brought a lot of returners back. And we see a lot of that in the Sunbelt West this year. We definitely do. And I think when we were trying to make our predictions about last season, it was our first time doing it. But now kind of with the introduction of the transfer portal, kind of seeing how maybe some people are switching positions and different personnel things and coaches now being able to fill these needs a little bit more instantly. I think coming into this year, we might have a better idea of what the landscape's going to look like, especially with some of these West teams that are plugging and playing some important key pieces moving forward. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. Well, let's not waste any more time. It's time to jump into today's topic. And Caden, We'll give them their dues here. We'll go ahead and start with an update on the Troy Trojans, who were 12-2 and a year ago. They ended the season ranked 24th in the country. Not only did they win the Sun Belt in surprising fashion, they would also win the Cure Bowl titles. Caden, this is an interesting team this year. Again, there's a lot of guys that are coming back, but there's a lot of guys, too, that played big roles, particularly on defense last year, that won't be back. Some guys that we're looking at as departures for this team. You've got Jake Andrews, who was at center. Austin Stidham at left tackle. Tez Johnson goes to Oregon through the transfer portal. Carlton Marshall, KJ Robertson, some big pieces of that standout defense last year. But, Caden, we're excited. I know I'm excited about some of the guys that are coming back. Gunnar Watson's back, and he's looking good in in spring practice from what we're hearing. Kamani Vidal uh, is back. I wanted to correct myself from our episode last week. It's actually DK Billingsley who's not gone. Vidal will be back, so that's huge for the Trojans. They're bringing back a couple of offensive line starters. Reddy Stewart back in the secondary, and Caden, I'm also hearing good things early on about Asa Martin, the running back, uh, kind of playing that second role behind Vidal, but let's jump into just a couple of storylines for the Trojans, and Caden, I think the first for me was a well-deserved story that came out last week. John Summerall picking up a four-year extension He had a salary just south of 900K last year, and it's rumored that this extension got him close to a million dollars. And I have to imagine, you know, that is it's well deserved after the season uh, that he helped orchestrate last year. 
It definitely is. And I look at, when you just look at what John Summerall was able to do in his first season at the helm, it's very clear that not only his players were bought in, but now the program's bought in by giving him this extension. And I think when you talk about some of those departures he's losing, there's a lot of leadership he's losing. But I think we were down there in Trobe. We were there for the championship game. I think it's very clear that the culture has already been established so fast. And I think that's why you have to give a guy like John Summerall that extension. And I think some of the worries you might have about some of these spots that are going to get filled, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I think you can kind of have a little ease of mind knowing that. John Summerall is at the helm. The players that were there last year that are returning are bought in, and the new players will be able to catch up quick just because Troy's proven track record now with Summerall's one year is a little bit hard to deny, and I think they're not going to have trouble at all getting some buy-in and creating some of that same production we saw last year under Coach Summerall. I got to admit, I have a special place in my heart for John Summerall. He's the only current Sunbelt head coach that's been on the podcast so far with Jamie Chadwell leaving. true. Keep your eyes out because we've got some other head coaches coming on during the offseason and leading into next season. Kane, another big talking point coming out of Troy at this point is the offense is playing a lot faster right now. They're increasing the tempo on the offense heading into 2023. I think that's going to be interesting because we talked last year about how much the defense carried this team. It's sour. It's starting to sound like the offense might be one of the key pieces this year. Yeah, and that's music to my ears. I think just as someone who watched Troy last year, we were waiting all season for them to lose just because their offense kind of lacked that production and their defense game in and game out would clutch it for them and the offense would just score just enough points to win but that wasn't a winning formula it was last year for this team and they did it all the way to a championship win but moving forward it's good to see that they were able to reflect on their offense last year maybe saw some of the errors they have with it and are kind of trying to combat that now with some tempo we're seeing a lot of teams now with some new coaches in the conference that are going to implement that tempo as well and that's kind of just the new wave of offense if you're having some struggles that's a way to beat a team with tempo so it's good to hear that Gunnar Watson's at the helm maybe a little bit more comfortable running some tempo and maybe giving this offense a little more juice than it had last year. Yeah, I mean, between having Watson back, Vidal in the backfield, hearing some good things about some of the wide receivers on the outside, uh, this could be a good Troy offense. There's also a lot of talk in camp about just how much deeper this offensive line is currently for the Trojans. So that's going to be something interesting uh, to pay attention to. And really the last thing uh, for Troy, Kane, one of the big storylines right now is this is a program that is reloading on defense you've got guys as we mentioned like Carlton Marshall and KJ Robertson gone from last year's team there's several others as well but the Juco guys Stephen Catalage and and Raymond Cutts Caden we're hearing a lot of good things about them and you might have thought that this Trojans defense maybe would slip a little bit this year but there's a lot of people around this program that think that they're primed to have another big defensive season Yeah, and look, replacing the shoes of Carlton Marshall, those are very, very big ones to fill. But it's been great to hear that there's some promising signs in that linebacker room moving forward with some Juco products. You talk about a guy like Stephen Kalich who comes from East Mississippi CC. That's a known place. Same thing with Raymond Cutts, who's from UCF Garden City. Who went to UCF, sorry, before and was at Garden City. Those are two reputable JUCOs that had a lot of success in production at that level. And you also bring back a guy in McDonald who had some injury woes last season. He missed the majority of the season had an ankle injury that took him out of the entire 2021 season and the 2022 season he was only able to play in three games but he's a decorated guy he's come from north Gwinnett, my side of town in georgia and was a productive player that was going to iowa out of high school and he's someone who is like we talked about before familiar with that culture familiar with that side of the ball so i think if he can be healthy and play that'll be great but also some good productive juco guys in the fold for them that i think will kind of result in not too much of a fall off as far as what we saw from Carlton Marshall last year, maybe from a production standpoint. Can't speak on the leadership, but I think as far as production goes, I think the torch is going to be handed from Carlton to some of these other guys that we might not be as familiar with this season. 
Yeah, it will certainly be interesting. Uh, certainly reloading on defense, hoping to see an improved offense for the Troy Trojans. Their spring game will take place on Saturday, April 15th, so coming up in just a few short weeks. Caden, let's move on to a team that there's a lot of talk about around the league right now. I'm hearing potential that this is the team that could win the league or at least be the preseason pick to win the league. That's the South Alabama Jaguars. They go 10-3 and a year ago, first 10-win season as an FBS program. Uh, their only SBC loss came to Troy but they ultimately kind of ended the season on that sour note, losing to Western Kentucky and Austin Reed in the New Orleans Bowl. Kane, this is a South Alabama team loaded. They really only lose Jalen Wayne at the wide receiver position, Darrell Luter at defensive back. Uh, they're bringing back 18 of 22 starters. Some have said the number might be closer to 20 because of some guys that they're getting back from injury that were starters in previous years. You've got an established quarterback in Carter Bradley. One of the best running backs in the conference in LaDamian Webb. You've got Voison and Lacey outside. Your favorite player, Yam Banks, uh, in the secondary. And then, Caden, they brought back some guys, as I mentioned, a guy like Keith Gallman, who I'm calling a notable addition to this roster. He was a stud just two years ago. Um, look out, too. We've been told about Kentrell Bullock, the running back from Old Miss. He's getting some early reps in spring practice. And there's a lot of great talk about Gio Lopez. He's probably not going to see the field much this year, but that he's the quarterback of the future for this program. A lot of people are excited uh, about him. Kane, some top storylines. Really, we talked to start this episode about looking at teams that were experienced, and you can't not talk about South Alabama. This is a program returning 18 of 22 starters. They are the most experienced unit coming into the 2023 season. Yeah, and when we talk about that experience, we don't talk a lot about these spring practices, but just from being on teams that bring back loaded rosters versus ones that kind of have to fill some position needs, maybe have some different position battles. This is just iron sharpens iron mode right now in the offseason for South Alabama. They know who they have. They know who they're going into battle with. And I think it puts them in a much more unique situation than a lot of the other teams in the conference. They're trying to figure out who's going to be their starting quarterback at other destinations, who's going to maybe be on those upfront spots. But this team knows what they have. And now they're in a different mode where they're just trying to truly get the best out of each other. They have some motivation from last year in their brains. And it's sounding like they're even deeper in certain areas. So I think as far as depth goes, it's always scary when a team brings back a lot of talent. But this is when it gets really scary where in the offseason. And now they're just continuing to get their craft right and aren't really worried about position battles. They're worried about their opponents. Now they're thinking about their first game right now. So I think this scary team could get even scarier depending on how this offseason and plays out with that loaded roster. Hey, you were on this team early last year. I think another note is that most of the coaching staff is back as well. So that just compounds what you're saying. Uh, Kane, this is going to be the first offseason that they have an established quarterback for a long time. And Carter Bradley had a really good season last year, kind of an underrated season because of some of the other quarterbacks in the league. Uh, but you have to imagine he's an early front runner for one of those major awards offensively heading into this coming season. He has to be. And I think when you look at what he's bringing back out wide, there's nothing but comfort for him. And it sounds like they're having an even more loaded backfield than before. That's a quarterback's best friend. So when you look at Carter Bradley, you can separate his campaign for being maybe an all-conference guy moving forward just based on what he's brought back and what he is himself. He proved, especially towards the end of the season, that he can really close out games for this team and deliver the balls on time and on target when necessary. Compound that with just being surrounded by a talented roster, a talented defense, a coaching staff you're familiar with. It's a little bit of a no-brainer going into this season as far as who you think the top guys should be, just looking on paper and what the body of work is that he's now created within the Sunbelt Conference. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, he's going to have a couple of great targets to be throwing to. You lose a Jalen uh, Wayne, but you've still got a Devin Voison out there, a Colin Lacey. We're hearing some intriguing things, too, about Javon Ivory, who's the transfer from Memphis, Shamar Sandrin, who comes from the JUCO level, who are both kind of competing for that starting spot that Wayne is vacating. 
Kane, another interesting position battle that's shaping up for South Alabama is at the center position. James Jackson is one of those guys who isn't back this year after he ran out of eligibility. Uh, hearing some good things, though, about Reggie Smith, who's kind of switching from that guard position into the interior in the center. Reed Buys, who we mentioned in our transfer episode, uh, who could play a role in there as well. I think that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. But, Caden, I know you want to talk about the secondary here because, to me, this is the most interesting position battle for South Alabama. They need to replace two of their top three corners. And, Caden, here's what we're hearing out of South Alabama. They're thinking of a potential four-safety look with guys like Yam Banks and Keith Goldman, that just sounds exciting. It definitely does, and I'm, you know I'm glad we get to talk about this one. I was hoping we would, but no, you lose Daryl Luther and you lose Jamar Richardson, who was at Ole Miss before, just two very experienced corners, and then you have guys like Cuddy Robinson, who has experience on the roster, and then just kind of a combination of guys that are coming back from injuries, transfers, but if you look at the safety position versus the corner position, they have nothing but safeties left and right. We obviously know about the work of Yam Banks and Voice, and plus, getting Gallman back to the fold can't state enough how big of a comeback that is for them i remember watching this guy when i was playing and watching him come down a hill and just destroy people especially against georgia southern this dude was making noise and i know when i was playing safety i would think hey maybe i had the best week out of the safeties in the sun button then i check and it's another day where gallman has 12 tackles forced to fumble dude's just all over the place and i think when you look at a guy like voison who does have some experience out at the corner spot too i think it's going to be very fun for the South Alabama defensive quarter to maybe play with these toys he has. He might have to put some of these safeties at corner because of necessity, but when it gets to third down and you have four or five, six defensive backs that you're comfortable playing, you can really have fun with your matchups. Put someone like Gallman maybe in the box on a tight end, on a running back. Put some of your faster DBs like Ian Banks on the back end. You can really have fun and toy with it and give quarterbacks very, very hard problems to deal with on third down if you have this much depth in the secondary. So very excited for South Alabama secondary this year. Caden, I wish our listeners could have seen the smile on your face when you started talking about the secondary for that South Alabama team. South Alabama, again, one of the more experienced teams, bringing a lot back. They will certainly be a team to keep an eye on throughout the rest of the offseason. Their spring game, much like Troy, will be on Saturday, April 15th. Caden, let's move on to our old friends, the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. They finished 7-6 and six last year. They are one of three Sunbelt Conference teams to win a bowl game last season. They're coming in third year under Will Hall. I think one of the biggest notable losses, defensive coordinator Austin Armstrong uh, initially left for Alabama. Now he has a defensive coordinator role. Caden, uh, some key departures, not too bad. Jason Brownlee's gone uh, and wide receiver. He was huge last year. You lose Trey Lowe, who transfers to Liberty. Ty Keys, who's still in the portal. Malik Shorts, who played a huge role on that defense. There were some other departures on defense as well. But, Caden, they're bringing back some guys, particularly on offense. Frank Gore Jr., who is one of my early favorites for Offensive Player of the Year. Ty Mims, Jacarius Caston, a lot of intrigue there in that slot position. Hayes Maple at the linebacker position who missed last year with injury. I think he could play a big role. And really the most intriguing thing for this team, Caden, as it's been for the last couple of years, is the quarterback situation. They bring in guys like Billy Wiles from Clemson, Holman Edwards from Houston in the offseason. And Kane, we're here, and this is a three-way race for quarterback. You've got Zach Wilkie still on the roster, played a lot last year, Wiles and Holman, the transfers. Uh, it's sounding like this is going into the fall. I thought it was interesting. Will Hall, after one of their last scrimmages, said, he says, we've got a chance to be really good at quarterback. I feel like I've heard that before, but I actually believe it a little bit more this year. Well, I hope Southern Miss fans believe it, too, because this is the, the position battle that matters the most, and it's not even close for this team. I'm not worried about the nasty bunch. I'm not worried about Frank Gore. I'm not even worried about this team up front on either side of the ball. I'm worried about that quarterback position. We know that that's the place where they can really take a leap and elevate themselves into new rarefied air for this team. 
this season. And I think having a three quarterback battle is a little bit scary. It's kind of hard to evaluate with three versus two, trying to differentiate and have one stand out more. But if it's competitive and close, I think it can really bring the best out of these quarterbacks. If, if it's a close race that goes into the fall and someone late emerges, I think that's going to be some great momentum for this team heading into the offseason. But even now, if they can have one guy kind of just step out and maybe separate themselves a little bit, I think it would be huge for this team. And it's it's just the most important thing. It's the most important position. And it's no secret that Southern Miss might be a quarterback away from really doing some damage in the conference this year. Yeah, I mean, you talked about with South Alabama, having a good running back is a quarterback's best friend. And certainly that's something that Southern Miss is blessed with, arguably the best running back in the conference. Kane, multiple battles in the secondary, kind of expected to last into fall camp as well. So it does sound like there will be some changes on defense heading into 2023. I did want to focus, though, on another kind of interesting battle. Not really a battle, but two of their top three receivers in Mims and Caston both play in the slot, Kane. Do you think that's going to cause some intrigue heading into the fall and ultimately into the season? Again, I'm glad you asked me about this one, too, because I really thought long and hard about it. And when you hear reports that you have two slot receivers that are producing in camp, I think for me, it's very simple as an offensive coordinator when you look at the personnel of this team. Put both of these guys in the slot. You have Ty Mims, who's a 5'9", 170-pound, typical, prototypical slot receiver. And I think casting at six foot, 200 pounds can maybe play out wide for you. But if these are two guys that are both comfortable in the slot, you're a team that use, doesn't use a tight end anyways. Here's a little stat for you, Noah. Tight ends in this offense last year accounted for only 10.9% of their catches and only 6.8% of their receiving yards. So they don't use tight ends regardless. Take the tight ends out of the game, put your two best slot receivers in the slot, and now they have to be accounted for. And who does that leave more room for in the box? Frank Gore Jr. I think this is a team that should spread it out this year. If their quarterback does have the ability to move this offense down the field and you have Frank Gore running against a lightened box, it's a no-brainer for me. So hopefully we can see both of these two slot wide receivers get some reps, get some play this year. And I think it'll open things up for this entire offense. I love the research there on the tight end statting. Caden, also just a great transition. It's like we've been doing this a lot together, but Frank Gore Jr., we have to talk about him. What can he do for an encore, Caden? And better yet, where should we set the betting odds on if he is the offensive player of the year in the conference this year? Is it like even? Is it plus 200, plus 400? Because I feel like if he has an encore season that's even better than last year, this might be a runaway. Well, I can't speak to the betting odds, but I can speak to the main factor that will contribute to this. And it will be if this team can win. If you look historically at offensive or defensive players of the year in this conference, they are teams that are vying for the title, if not playing for that title when it comes to being in December. So I think if this team can win some games, put some wins together and put themselves in that conversation for a championship, Frank Gore will be a big reason why. And for that, I think he will get the recognition that's due. Yeah, it'll be interesting. He's probably, you know, arguably you could say the best player in the conference uh, after the season he had last year. Their spring game actually coming up this weekend, Saturday, April 1st, one of the earliest spring games. So uh, we'll definitely get to see a little bit more about Southern Miss in the week ahead. Kane, let's move on to a team that is intriguing for me. Uh, I don't know how I'm falling on this team. This was my preseason pick last year to win the West. We saw how that went. And I'm a little down on them so far this year, but we will see if they prove me wrong. And that's the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns. They finished six and seven last year, did get to a bowl game, lost to Houston. Uh, three Sunbelt Conference losses, though, by less than a touchdown a season ago. So certainly some intrigue here for the Ragin' Cajuns. Caden, they are losing a lot of talent. Michael Jefferson at wide receiver, who's looking to go to the NFL. Chris Smith at running back, up and down season, but still he was your number one running back. Braylon Trahan, who... I personally still believe looks like you, so that's a big loss. Uh, Jordan Quibido at the linebacker position, Zion Hill Green at defensive line. 
So some big names, guys that we spent a lot of time talking about are not back. Caden, their returners, though, Chandler Fields, he's interesting. Draylon Washington getting a, you know, kind of a promotion at running back. Uh, Cam Podesclo, who we've seen some interesting reports about where he'll be lining up this coming season, I think providing some intrigue. Caden, here's the top storyline heading into camp. Chandler Fields ruptures his appendix the day before spring practice, so he's out for spring practice. The only quarterback on the roster is Zeon Chris. He's the only one practicing right now. We already expected a quarterback battle here. Does that give Zeon Chris the leg up to potentially be QB1 heading into the fall? It has to. And look, this team can't catch a break with quarterback luck as far as injury goes. I think Woldridge missed the last two weeks of the season with that lower leg injury. Maybe that's what's still keeping him out right now. But I think if you look at Zeon Chris, availability is the best ability in football. And at the quarterback position for this team, this is the most available guy they have right now. And he's a 6'2", 200-pound freshman that has been effective in his limited slaps last year, snaps last year. He has that dual threat element that I think neither of the quarterbacks have. And most importantly for a young guy, he's getting reps with the ones right now, getting reps with the receivers and building that chemistry. So you have to give him the nod right now heading into the season just because availability is the best ability best ability he's available right now and he's shown some promise so we'd love to hear more about what's going on with him and his camp but I think his stock can only go up at this point being in the position he is and he's a house money gambler he's the only quarterback on the roster right now playing so I think it's hard not to give him the extra leg up going into fall camp and going into the season right now hey you love the opportunity for the young kid there Caden and a couple of guys that he's building rapport with Lance Legrand and Jacob Bernard who we're hearing reports that he's looking like an NFL wide receiver and Jacob Bernard uh, they both stood out early in camp and that's huge because Louisiana is trying to replace Michael Jefferson, who was arguably one of the best wide receivers in the conference last year. Yeah. And it's interesting because Lance is a former quarterback. This is a guy that played quarterback at Maryland, a superb athlete, only had 13 catches last year for 152 yards and a touchdown, but has some promise there as far as not being as big as Michael Jefferson, but maybe being a menacing physical presence out wide for this team. And you talked about Jacob Bernard. If you look at this team, he has the most returning yards from last year, only behind tight end Neil Johnson, who's on the team, but the other top receivers on this team are gone. So it's good to have a guy like that who might be looking to take the number, another, even another leap and be the number one receiver of this team moving forward. Having your wide out that's kind of in the wings and working his way up, having a great camp going into the year is definitely a great sign, especially with a quarterback that could be your starter and you could use every rep you can with him. Hey, I'm also hearing too that at the tight end position, they might utilize those a little bit more in the passing game. We saw them primarily blocking a lot last year. I think that could be interesting. Okay, a lot of movement on defense from this team. We expected that with several notable departures. I think the news about Campodesclo moving back to that star position, which in that Louisiana defense is a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, is interesting. What do you make of that move? Yeah, I mean, look at this team. They're losing their top three tacklers from last year. You lose Quibido, you lose Trahan, and you lose Moncrief. And then the next two guys on that list are Campodesclo and Osai. And they're back on this team, and they're expected to have big years and apparently are having big camps right now. So if you're going to lose that much tackle production, what's the best way to combat it? Move your guy who was your fourth leading tackler last year in Podesclo closer to the box, closer to the line of scrimmage and closer to the ball so he can be more effective. I think it's a huge move for him. He's going to kind of play, I feel like, that Brian Branch role that he Alabama safety played for them last year, moving around as much as he can because, look, this team understands he's their leader. He's their only guy that has two start years of starting under his belt. And they're trying to get him around the ball as much as they can. So I think as far as the defensive coaches on this team, got to give him a, a heads up and a shout out for putting Cam in this position moving forward as the guy that's going to be featured the most in this defense. Yeah, interesting point there. We've also, as you kind of alluded to, we've heard good things about Casey Osai, the linebacker, uh, looking strong early in camp. The coaching staff is excited about the impact he could have this season. 
Their spring game, one of the better names in the Sun Belt, the Vermilion and White game on Saturday, April 6th. So coming up shortly, we'll definitely have our eyes on that. Caden, a couple of other teams here as we look to wrap up this episode. Texas State, we've been talking about them a lot. Some intrigue here under the new coaching staff. They're trying to win more games on the road. They were good at home last year, but uh, the 0-6 on the road definitely hurt them. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the addition of Malik Hornsby. Haven't heard a ton of reports about him uh, in spring practice so far, but expecting him to be the starter moving into the fall. Kane, the one thing I have heard a lot about, this is a huge signing class for Texas State. 24 new members of this team, 10 transfers, 6 with Power 5 experience. It feels like G.J. Kinney in this staff did what they needed to do to rebuild this roster. Watch out for Texas State, perhaps heading into 2023. Yeah, and look for Texas State, very opposite camp in spring and off season for this team compared to a team like South Alabama we were talking about before. It's the complete opposite. There's a ton of fresh phrases. There's a ton of people that have to learn both offense and defense. Both sides of the ball are probably having a lot of MA, some miscommunication problems. It's early on in the offseason journey for Texas State right now with them just putting the pads on with an entirely revamped roster, an entirely different coaching staff. So we might not be hearing too, too much from this camp just because there probably isn't a lot of highlights to talk about, but they're building. They're going to try to go practice to practice week by week and just build as much momentum as they can head into fall camp so you have to hope that guys like Malik Hornsby are doing their thing out there but as a team that everyone's really just getting up to speed on all the newness that's just surrounding this program right now a lot to be excited about yeah I had a chance to watch DJ Kenny's first press conference and he talked about the lot of leadership that Ashton Hawkins was bringing to the team he was excited with the tempo he's excited with the quarterbacks right now that's everything I would expect to hear from him this spring so Definitely some intrigue in San Marcos heading into this next season. Caden, last two teams in the West, these were the two teams that finished at the bottom of the table this past season, and that's the Arkansas State Red Wolves. They're come entering their third season under Butch Jones, just three wins in the last two years. Caden, we've heard a lot about these young guys. Is this the offseason that finally some of those guys step up? Uh, the one thing we are hearing, I was texting with Kara Ritchie, who we've had on the podcast uh, earlier in the week, and she talked a lot about the offensive line depth. She felt like that is going to be a unit of strength, and that's huge because Arkansas State, they've not had much depth there. They haven't had a lot of experience there. She's saying that you know she expects to maybe see three transfer offensive linemen starting for this team. That's certainly something to keep an eye on heading into this next season. It definitely is, and you love to hear that this team is putting in work up front on the offensive line because this is just something that hasn't been a luxury for this team the last couple of years. I hope, got to hope that them being good up front offensively could be contagious. But you look at this team, they signed six offensive linemen in their class, and three of those guys were transfers from Ole Miss, one from Lamar, and two high schoolers. So if you can put some experienced guys up front and make some room for a running back that I hear is also having a great spring, I think it's just a good start and a good way to get some momentum going for this offense that just had a ton of struggles last year and they all started up front. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're asking for is momentum for this Arkansas State team. Uh, we saw their basketball team just name a new head coach. Uh, something, they need excitement in Jonesboro. They've got a great stadium. Like you said, though, we are hearing some good things about the running back, Zach Wallace, uh, the transfer from UT Martin. Strong early impression in camp. He's kind of looking like a monster, and that has to be a welcome sign for Johnny Lang. Maybe some help in that backfield. Uh, Lang expected to also be a pretty standout kick returner once again this year. Arkansas State, their spring game coming up in a couple of weeks. Saturday, April 15th is the Red Wolves spring game. Caden, last team in the Sun Belt West that we've got to talk about. And it's been a pretty quiet spring practice. Haven't heard much out of Monroe. 
Uh, that's the Warhawks. You know, they pulled off a couple of upset wins last year, but just weren't able to fully get over the hump. They took down Louisiana. Caden, the biggest thing for me is the departure of Chandler Rogers. He looked like a really good piece last year. He's gone, goes to North Texas. Now they've got another quarterback in there. That's going to be something to keep an eye on, Caden. But I'm not overly high on ULM heading into this next season. I'm not even sure they're going to beat last year's win total. Yeah, it's a tough offseason. We talk about these teams and the identity that they have this offseason, whether it's a team like South Alabama who's trying to build on what they have and a team like Texas State who's kind of doing the opposite and cleaning things out. ULM's kind of in that no man's land right now. They have some pieces like a Tyrone Howell out wide to build around that offense, but they're going to have to figure out that quarterback position. Like you mentioned, first and foremost, I think the more production they can get out of there, the better off they'll be. And then really on both sides of the ball up front, they're just going to have to this offseason callous up and build some toughness. We hear that now Arkansas State is starting to build up some size and some strength and some some talent up front if this team can do the same I think it'll take them a long ways as well because they are sneaky they did sneak a couple wins last year and I think if they were able to have some more consistency up front we might have saw that trickle into some more wins for this team so hopefully they can make some improvements but I think like we talked about it's just a a weird place to be in right now in the Sun Belt if you are ULM hey there's spring game coming up this weekend Saturday April 1st so one to keep an eye on Kate I gotta admit this has been fun talking football again. You know, we've spent a lot of te- time in the offseason. We've still got a long offseason to go, but it's been fun kind of getting into the X's and O's of these teams a little bit on today's episode. It definitely has been. I know when we get into the season, we're recapping games, we're previewing games, but kind of just doing the research and the diligence to kind of get a better picture of what that's going to look like in the future has definitely been fun. Been fun. So hopefully our fans have appreciated some of our insights, some of our stats, even grabbing some of the info we've been grabbing. Hopefully they can have some knowledge to drop to their friends too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Thanks for your continued support of the show throughout the offseason. We're excited to continue interacting with you throughout the offseason as we get you set for the 2023 Sunbelt football season. Again, here's a quick reminder about our mailbag. If you have Sunbelt football related questions, we'd love to get them answered. Send them our way by emailing Smith at gmail.com in the coming weeks. We'd certainly love to hear from you. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast on Wednesday next week, Caden, a very similar episode where we're going to provide updates on spring practices for the Sunbelt East Division sides, including an update on that James Madison quarterback battle. I'm hearing some good things out of Harrisonburg. Well, that'll do it for us here at the Prairie and Smith podcast. As always, if you like today's episode, take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and the show out. We're going to continue bringing you some great content about the Sun Belt throughout the rest of the offseason, so make sure you stick around. So for Caden Smith, Richmond, Brett, I'm Noah Frary. Thanks for joining us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.